Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at individuals that God raises up to be deliverers. To deliver the people of Israel from some oppression, some difficulty, some trial in their life. Hopefully by now, you believe that God wants to use you. Hopefully you believe by now that God wants to use you to deliver somebody from some stronghold or some stranglehold or some sin in their life. That God wants us to be deliverers as well. This morning, we're going to look at an individual who was considered the black sheep of the family. He was blackballed. He was kicked out. We want to look at this individual, see if there's anything we can learn from him. And some of you may feel like a black sheep. Some of you may feel like you're, uh, you don't fit in, that uh, maybe there's some sin that you've committed in your life, some, some awful sin. Maybe it's some disagreement that you've had in, in your life. Uh, maybe you committed your life to Christ, and when you committed your life to Christ, like the story that, that uh, Rachel told, your family kicked you out. They rejected you, and you can no longer have a relationship with them. Uh, for whatever reason, you feel cut off. You may feel, feel cut off from your family. You may uh, feel cut off from your friends. Maybe you even feel cut off from your church, that this church for some reason will not utilize you, will not let you serve in the capacity that you would like to serve. And so you're, you're feeling, oh, you have doubts. I don't think God, God can really use me. Uh, I don't believe God really has a plan or a purpose for your life. So this morning, we're going to look at Judges chapter 11. We're going to look at a man by the name of Jephthah. Jephthah was a black sheep of the family. And so the question we ask as we look at this passage of Scripture is, is there anything that we can learn from Jephthah? Is there anything we can learn from him? What do you do when you've been cut off from your family and you feel like a black sheep? First truth I want you to grasp. Be certain of your value. Be certain of your value. Look at verses 1 and 3 of Judges 11. 1 through 3. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of adventurers gathered around him and followed him. So here's the situation. Uh, Jephthah is, is the son of a woman who is not... Uh, her, his father's wife, a prostitute. Uh, it's pretty clear what it is. So he was uh, the child of, a, of another woman of an illicit affair. And when the, his brothers grow up, we don't know if Jephthah is younger, older. The Bible's not really clear. But when he grows up, his brothers, his family says, we're not going to have anything to do with you. You're kicked out. So what they basically do is they take him to the elders uh, of the community and say, we need you to nullify any inheritance he might get, kick him out. And so this is what they did. And so he was considered illegitimate. He was considered not accepted by the family. I read someone said that there are, is no such thing as illegitimate children, only illegitimate parents. 
Uh, and so uh, this guy was considered that. Nonetheless, they said, you're not going to have any inheritance with this. So they, they drove him away. Now, he had no control over his situation. He wasn't at fault. It wasn't, you know, because of anything he did. It's because of the sins of his father. But because of the sins of his father, he was driven out of the house. He was a black sheep. He was rejected. Uh, you may feel the same way in your own life. You may feel that you're, you're a, a black sheep. Maybe you're in a less than an ideal situation. Uh, maybe you've got a reputation that's a little bit tainted. Uh, maybe you, you're not quite what everybody would like you to be. Maybe you feel alienated. Maybe you feel that uh, you don't fit in in that situation. You've been blackballed. Maybe that's the way you feel. Well, I want you to know something. I've got some good news for you. I want to give you some good news. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you are a part of the family of God. You are a child of God. And hear me, there's no illegitimacy in the kingdom of heaven. There are no stepchildren in God's family. If you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, you followed him, regardless of what your family says or what other Christians may think, you are a child of God. You need to know your position in Jesus Christ. You are a child of the king. You are a part of the, the royal family. Listen to the way Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You may not get an earthly inheritance. You may not receive that, but you'll get an inheritance much richer than anything that the world could give you. Listen to the way Paul describes it in Galatians 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. You are an heir of the riches of God. Listen to the way Peter describes it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Now remember, Peter is writing to people that have been cast out from the church. He's writing to those that are strangers all over the world. They've been driven from their home. They've been driven from their church. They've been driven from that which they held dear. And this is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept that word kept is guarded, guarded in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You are a child of the king. Just because you feel alienated, it does not mean that you do not matter. Just because you feel like you, you're, you're a black sheep, it does not mean you do not matter. Listen, you don't give up on life. You don't just quit. And the scriptures are full of hundreds of people in the scriptures that were black sheep, that were, that were blackballed, that were illegitimate, that, that, that were disenfranchised. But God still used them in miraculous ways to accomplish extraordinary things. If you feel disqualified and say, God can never use me. Listen, you are exactly where Satan wants you to be. You exactly where the enemy wants you to be. You're defeated, you're discouraged, and you're drained. And you won't be used. 
Because that's where Satan wants to keep you. Listen, know who you are in Christ. You are forgiven. You are set free from your sins. You're not, you're, you're not who you used to be, okay? You're somebody new. And really, it doesn't matter who you are. You know that? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. All that matters is whose you are. Who do you belong to? That's really all that matters. You belong to Christ, and you are a child of God. So when you've been left out of your family, you've been cut off from your family, be certain of your value. Second truth I want you to grasp, you can still, be, you can still bring a victory. No matter who you are, God can still use you to be a deliverer. God can still use you to bring victory. Look at verses 4 through 6. Sometime later, when the Ammonites made war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. So here's the situation. The people of Israel say, you know, we've got to get a, we've got to get a deliverer. So the elders, the very ones that uh, presided over the court, that kicked him out of the people, disfranchised him, made him a, a black sheep, they come to him and said, hey, we need somebody to deliver us. So they go to him. Why? Because they know he's a warrior. And they know that, that he, can, he can accomplish the task. Look at verse 7. Jethro said to them, didn't you hate me? And drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Now, you have to understand what's going on here. If you, if you go back up to... Uh, maybe I jumped ahead of myself here. I get so excited sometimes when I'm preaching. I jump ahead of myself. Yeah, no, no, that's all right. They said, come and we'll make you commander. In verse 6, we'll make you commander. Okay, stay with me. You have to understand the context. In chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, 16, 17, 18, the Ammonites will begin attacking the people of Israel. And in the process of attacking Israel, the people cry out, we have sinned, we have sinned, we've been disobedient to you. And so the people say, we need a deliverer. And actually what they say, whoever will launch the attack against the Ammonites will be the head of all those living in Gilead. Remember that word, head. He will be the head of all those living in Gilead. So the elders, the leaders, they are sent out to search for a leader. They're sent out to search for a deliverer who will be a head over the people of Gilead. And so this group comes to Jephthah said, why don't you come and be our commander? Different word. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal, does it? Commander say, you'll be the lord of our troops. You're going to have responsibility, but we're still going to be in control. That's what they're saying. That's not what the people wanted. The people said, send somebody out there that can deliver us, and he'll be the head of us. We're going to follow him. We're going to submit to him. We're going to do what he calls us to do because he's the one that set came to deliver us. But the elders don't want to give up control, so they said, just come and be our commander. Do the fighting for us, but we'll make all the decisions. And so Jephthah knows this. He's called him. He says, he says yeah. He said, yeah. Is that really what you're, you're here to do? So Jephthah kind of challenges them. Uh, see, they want to give him responsibility without control is what they want to do. And so this is what's going on. They knew they'd been had. They knew that Jephthah had them, and they knew they had them. They were put on the spot, and now they're, they're, they're trying to backpaddle. Here, here, here let me give you a modern-day illustration. 
you know, we live in the, in the day that we get all these sound bites from politicians. And we catch a politician. You just said over here, this is what you said. And so are they, uh, they're live. And they backpedal. Ooh, ooh, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do now? You, you know, the deers and deer in the headlights. Yeah. Oh, man, how am I going to get out of this? That's not really what I meant. What am I going to do? This is what they're doing. They were caught red-handed. Listen to how they respond in verse 8. They say, the elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be our head over all who live in Gilead. You see how they changed the tune. He said, okay, we're not going to get this guy unless we give him the control and the responsibility. This is what they're saying. And so Jephthah responds again in verse 9. Uh, Jephthah answers, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? You see what he's saying? He's, he said, are you sure? Are you, are, are you just lying to me to get your way? Are you really sure? And then we know what happened. Here's what they do. They said, okay, to prove it to you, they make a covenant. They make an agreement. They make a covenant that the Lord is their witness. They said, if you do this, you will be our leader. You will be our head. You will be over us. And you will provide direction. You will provide leadership. You will provide the counsel that we, the people, want. And they did this. So they make that covenant. Why did they go to the Jephthah to begin with? They needed somebody to be, to be the deliverer. So they went somebody and they found somebody that had the skill set. Somebody that had the ability. Somebody that had the strategy. Somebody that had the vision and knew what to do. And they brought him there. Kind of reminds me uh, of a situation in the Old Testament. You know, another story in the Old Testament. You know the story of Joseph and his brothers. You know, Joseph was the black sheep of the family. And what the brothers do said, we're going to get rid of you. So they sold him into bondage. Told their dads how he got killed by, you know, the animals sold him into bondage, into slavery, and over the process of time, Joseph rode to be second in command of all of Egypt. And then when the children of Israel were living in the famine, they made their way to Egypt. And guess what? Joseph delivered them from their situation. He delivered them from that situation. God used what man intended for evil. God used for good. Listen, just because you've been cut off from your family doesn't mean God can't use you. Just because you and your family aren't in agreement doesn't mean God cannot use you. Jeremiah was the same way. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He's always weeping, weeping for his people, crying out. And Jeremiah was given the task of proclaiming the truth of God's word and said, God is about to bring punishment upon the children of Israel. Babylon is going to come. He's going to overtake you, and you're going to be thrown into bondage. Uh, they didn't believe him. They said, oh, man, you're a windbag. That's what they said. In, in Hebrew, it's not really, in English, he's a windbag. Uh, he, he's full of hot air. He's a liar. We can't believe him. And so, uh, Jeremiah was prone to pity parties. He said, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Oh, I'm so mistreated. And so this. So, but God came to Jeremiah, and, and he revealed this truth to Jeremiah. Listen to what he says to him in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 10. Here's Jeremiah's pity party. Alas, my mother, that you gave me birth. 
Oh, Mom, why did you ever do this to me? He goes on, a man with whom the whole land strives and contends. I have neither lent nor borrowed, yet everyone curses me. The Lord said, surely I will deliver you for a good purpose. Surely I will make your enemies plead with you in times of disaster, in times of distress. Jeremiah felt like he was a black sheep. He felt like he'd been cast aside. But God said, Jeremiah, I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to accomplish my purposes through you. Now, in the case of Jethro, they went looking for him. All the other judges were called by God. But in this situation, Jephthah, the people went and looked for Jephthah. Why? Because he's a skilled warrior. He's an adventurer. Literally, he's a mercenary. That's what he was. He was a mercenary for hire. So uh, they go to him. And then in verses, uh, verses 12 through 28, we see what happens. Now, he's a warrior. He's a fighter. And he has a band of men that follow him. But before he goes to battle, he tries diplomacy. He tries to work within the system to get that. So he sends a letter to the, to the king of Ammon and says, Hey, why are you doing this? We haven't done anything to you. And the king of Ammon says, Oh, you know, this land is actually our land. You stole it from us years ago. You need to give it back. And if you'll do that, we'll be happy and there won't be a battle. And so what uh, Jephthah does, he actually gives the king of Ammon a history lesson. And he goes back and said, Look, we didn't take that land from you. That land was given us because of what you did. God gave it to us. It's been this way for 400 years. Why are you now decide? that you want it back. And he said, you don't have a leg to stand on. That's my paraphrase, not his. And so the king of Ammon, he didn't like that. He said, well, I'm not getting my way, so I'm going to go to war with you. I'm going to go to battle with you. And Jeff said, okay, we're going to go to battle. Verse 29, we pick up the story. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. So he's, he's moving forward. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. Look at what happens in verse 32 to 33. Then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Aror to the vicinity of Mineth as far as Abel Karamim. Thus Israel subdued Ammon. Now you think that's a pretty nice story, isn't it? That's a good story of how God used the black sheep and accomplished great things, delivered the people of Israel. Let's just stop right there, and let's just don't go any further. But see, that's not the end of the story. There's a little bit more that we have to do because Jephthah does something that's foolish and gets him in trouble. This brings us to the third truth. You know, when, you, when you've been kicked out of your family, when you've been cut off from your family, be cautious when making vows. Be cautious when making vows. Be careful what you promise. Look at verse, let's go back and look at verses 30 through 31. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Here's the amazing thing about this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jephthah. It says that in verse 29, the Spirit of the Lord has come. And we know in the Old Testament that the Spirit of the Lord would descend upon individuals to use them, and then the Spirit of the Lord would remove, not like it is in the New Testament. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So why did he feel like he had to bargain with God to get what he wanted? You know, did, did he make this vow because he lacked faith that God was going to use him as a deliverer? 
I don't think that's the case because if he lacked faith, why is he mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Faith Hall of Fame? He's there with Gideon and with, with Barak. He's there. So uh, that must not be it. Uh, was, why would he make a vow at this point in his life? Was he desperate to become somebody in the eyes of the people that he lost control of his senses and he, and he lost uh, the ability to make good judgment? Was he so desperate to be in the good graces of his family that he would do anything uh, to make sure he won? And his vows are not prohibited in the scripture. But he says you just need to be careful uh, when, when you make a vow. So why did he decide to do that? You know, perhaps he's so ecstatic about what God is going to do and the victory that was so imminent that he got giddy uh, to, to the point. He said, God, I, I, I'll just give you anything, Lord. I, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Lord, I'm just going to give you that. You know, maybe that's what it was. I can understand that. You know, passion without forethought can be dangerous. Stop and think about it. Passion without forethought can be dangerous. We will often say things to get our way, but we don't run it through to the full ramifications of what will happen. You know what you, you, know what you got when you get an, an idiot excited? You know what you get? You get an excited idiot is what you get. I used to always say, what do you do when you give a hood a million dollars? You got a million dollar hood is what you got. It's the same way here. He fights the battle. He goes home. And then something unexpected happens. Look at verse 34. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? Obviously not a Baptist, okay? Obviously. She, man, I thought anybody would laugh at that, okay? Come on, man. <laughs> she was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. His daughter. Now notice the response of the two of them, verse 35 to 36. My father, she replied, you have given your word. No, no, verse 35, I'm sorry. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. Now there's a lot of uh, a debate about this. You may be thinking, well surely God would not have him sacrifice his daughter. But obviously Jephthah and his daughter knew the law. They, they knew the importance of keeping a vow. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23, 21 and 23. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. Verse 23, whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. Now, there's a lot of debate about this passage. A lot of commentaries talk about this passage, one of the most controversial passages in uh, the New in the Old Testament. Surely God would not condone him sacrificing his daughter. Now here's what I believe. I do not believe that he sacrificed his daughter. 
I believe he dedicated her to the Lord's service is what I believe. Because God would not condone a human sacrifice. Look at verse 31 again. And I don't normally like to get this detailed, but we'll just call this a teaching moment, okay? Verse 31, it says, Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be to the Lord's. When, when you look at it in the Hebrew, everything's masculine. Everything is a masculine pronoun, masculine. So he's thinking in his mind because sheep and goats and animals lived in the house with the people. I know you all find that strange, but that's how they protected their livestock. They lived in the house. So he's probably thinking, the first thing will come out, oh, it's going to be a lamb, it'll be a goat, or something like that. He wasn't thinking his daughter. And he said, okay, so he's thinking this, and I will sacrifice it as burnt offering. The key is the word and. That word and has been translated elsewhere from Hebrew into the English as the word or, O-R. So when you look at it that way, I return in triumph the Ammonites will be the Lord's or I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So in that understanding, it gives you the context. Maybe, maybe there, there's, a, there's an understanding going on here. Because here's the Look at the story. If she was going to die, because basically what she says, okay, you're going to fulfill your vow, but let me go out and mourn my virginity for two months. And it says her and some of the ladies, they went out and they mourned her virginity. She would never get married. Well, if he was going to kill her, why does that matter? Why does that matter that she would not, you know, get married? Why does that matter? Because she's going to die anyway. You know, so the tragedy of this story, and, and, the, and the Bible makes it clear, she's his only child. Other than her, he has no one. There's no one left to carry on the family line. It dies with Jephthah when she is dedicated. If she's dedicated to the Lord's service at the, at the tabernacle, or at, the, at the altar, at the shrine, wherever it's at, she will never marry. She'll be like a nun, okay? Uh, that's what it is because she's mourning the fact that she would never get married. So year after year, year after year, the, the, have, the custom was in Gilead that the, the young women would go out and they would mourn Jephthah's vow. They were mourn, not so much that he brought deliverance, not so much that, that, that he was a black sheep that God used, but they would mourn the fact that his daughter never married. Now, when we mention Jephthah in the church, they don't remember that he was the black sheep of the family. They don't remember how God used him to deliver the people of Israel. You know what they remember? They remember his foolish vow. That's what they remember. We do not know what would have happened to Jephthah if he hadn't have made that vow. If he hadn't have made it. We also don't know what would have happened to him if he did not fulfill the vow. Those are things we are just left to wonder. I know people who make promises to God and they don't fulfill them. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. And God does his part, but you don't do your part. And you know what? You don't understand why you're not enjoying the abundant life. You don't understand why you're not living the, 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 the joy of your salvation. It's because you're withholding from God what you promise to do for Him. We do it all the time in our lives. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Lord, 
And we're all, oh, Lord, if you would just do this for me, then God, I will do this for you. And so God does it. And he sits there. And we don't fulfill our vow. That's why you've got to be cautious. You've got to be cautious when making vows. Have you ever done that? Have you ever bargained with God? You ever made a deal with God? It could have been that God fulfilled his part of the bargain and you did not. Remember, the Bible says it's a sin not to fulfill a vow. Do you remember when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Some of you that could be recently, it could be many years ago. Do you remember when you came to that time when you recognized that you were a sinner? And he said, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And he said, Jesus, I need you to be the Savior of my life. And at that time, he said, Lord, if you're saved me, I will live the rest of my life for you, and you will be my Lord. You remember that vow? Or have you forgotten it? And what you've done is you still want Jesus as your Savior, but you don't want him as your Lord. You want him as your deliverer, but you don't want him as your head. You made a promise. You made a vow. So maybe it's time for you to go back and remember that vow and say, today, Lord, I want to fulfill my vow. Today, Lord, I want to live the life that I told you I'd live. Well, you're my Lord, you're my King, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And I'm going to be obedient to what you're calling me to do. Some of you feel cut off. You feel left out. You feel abandoned. You feel like maybe you're a black sheep of the family. And you say, does God even know where I'm at? Let me tell you something. God still knows your name. He still knows who you are. He knows your situation. He knows your condition in life. And he still loves you and he wants to use you to bring glory to himself. He still wants to use you. All you got to do is just surrender. All you got to do is do that. You are a child of the king. You are a child of the Lord. And he loves you immensely. And he wants to use you to accomplish great things. You matter to him. That's what we learn from a person like Jephthah. So how, God, how do you apply that to your life this morning? Maybe God is speaking to you directly about something you need to give up so that you can follow him. A vow that you made to him that now you need to fulfill. And I say this all the time, and nobody ever believes me. God did not leave you here on earth to sit, soak, and sour. He didn't. You are here for a purpose and for a reason because you are special and you are unique and God has a plan for your life. Now, you can resist it. We all do. Amen? Don't we all resist it? But the only way you're going to experience the, the, the abundant life is to do what God has called you to do and be what God has called you to be, His representative in this earth where He's placed you. You are here to be the image of Christ to those who as of yet have not experienced it. 
He's calling you to be a deliverer. The only question is, will you do it? Will you do it?